And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. I'm your host, Kathy Amos, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. This afternoon, we are discussing Indiana's resounding win over the Purdue Boilermakers on the road as our number four ranked Hoosiers beat Purdue 69 to 46. This now takes our women's record to a program record continuing on um, with just record setting records with a 22 and one win overall and a 12 and one in the conference. But as always, we will start this show as we do every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And Jeff, for me, I think it's probably going to be kind of an obvious one, but I'm going back to the beginning of that third quarter. So we come out, Sydney Parrish gets fouled. Um, she ends up going one for two from the free throw line. Then Yarden goes, then um, Yarden goes down on the other end. She gets the steal. She throws it out to McKenzie. Um, and then McKenzie gets her first uh, basket down there uh, on a non-fast break basket. And then another one from Yarden, making it 36 to 26. We get yet another turnover from Purdue on the other end. McKenzie comes down yet again, pulls up another jumper on the end. And that uh, puts us up on a 7-0 run that cost Purdue to take a timeout. That put us up 38-26 to 26 at that point in the game. And honestly, we never looked back. That really led to just an amazing third quarter, especially defensively, but really just came out with some amazing adjustments from halftime. Our defense was on point, only letting Purdue score two points in that entire quarter and had a 19-2 third quarter. And that really just completely shut the door on Purdue for the day. And for me, that is what led to our, our banner moment. It was really is the entire third quarter, but I think that sequence at the beginning of the third quarter really set the tone for our team, both defensively and making some great adjustments on the offensive end to get McKenzie the ball into a place where she can actually work to get some baskets for us. And as always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing product line. In fact, I've heard that not only did they just release new stuff for Indiana, they might be doing that again and releasing even more new things for Indiana. So hopefully you can find something for yourself or anyone in your family that just loves great collegiate gear. Um, so whether you want Again, IU gear or other college teams are just really nothing actually associated with any team at all. Homefield probably has something for you. You can go out to homefieldapparel.com, and if for some reason it's still your first time purchasing from Homefield, you can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, get 15% off your first order. Again, that promo code is HOME for 15% off. The website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, Jeff. So this is a fun Sunday and another um, fun weekend of basketball for Indiana. So um, let me kick it over to you, though, for your initial thoughts on the game. What is your coach's corner for us this afternoon? Well, I got a couple things, Kathy. First of all, what a great weekend to be a Hoosier. I mean, wrestling wins earlier in the week against Purdue. The men win yesterday, and the women go up to Mackey Day in front of a sellout crowd. I mean, the place was a legit sellout and a pretty hostile environment. And, and other than maybe that beginning of the second quarter, 
they just really played Hoosier basketball the way we've come to expect under Terry Morton. But I'm really going to kind of go. I was. I'm kind of glad you didn't pick it because my moment today was was Sydney Parrish hitting a jump shot and turning and looking at Purdue Pete in the student section and giving her giving the <laughs> shh yes. to him. And I loved it because that's a kid who understands the rivalry. An Indiana kid who obviously was recruited by both schools coming out of high school. I don't know how much Purdue was after her in the portal, but we, you know, she was a kid that was, you know, she was a top, you know, level recruit getting out, coming out of high school. She know both were trying to get to her, but I just, that kid just is tough and she's tough as nails. And again, just what we've really expected, but this one, this really was kind of a game to get ready for the game. You had to win today in order to keep pace with Iowa. We're going to talk about Iowa here in a little bit, but now you have to, you got a huge game you have to focus on, and I'm sure they will, but it, you got to, you know, as, as tough as this one, I felt like, especially in the second half, became business like. Just go out there, do what we're supposed to do, get the job done, and then let's get on to getting ready for the, you know, that game on Thursday. And so, I really thought that the the team in the second half, I mean, played about as well as you could. I know they end up giving up 20 points in the second half, but there for a while, it was basically about a 30, I think I had it at one point, like a 30 to 10 second half, 31 yeah. to 10 second half at one point. So, but yeah, I loved Sydney Parrish looking, just looking at, you know, giving the shh. Yeah. I, I love it. So fun, kudos, it? To Sid, kudos <laughs> to Sid. Yes. I was really glad they showed a replay of that because I know they had mentioned it and I missed it. Then it happened in real time. I don't know if the, camera was just not on her at that point but they replayed it and that that was a lot of fun yeah she was she was definitely all over the court and i'm sure we'll get into her play a lot more today as we go so mm -hmm. jeff maybe with that that'll be a great moment for us to go ahead and segue into our first segment here which is talking about what went as expected today so i'll let you start us off um, what is one thing that you thought went as expected for this team today defense i mean this is what we've come to expect from this team uh, and and when you looked at it today, especially in the in, in the first half and the first part of the third quarter, we were you know we played quite a few kids. Lee Meister got in the first quarter, the first half. Alyssa Geary got in the first half. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Lexi Bargesser had a short run in the first half. Uh, Sarah Scalia played uh, you know played well today as well. But just again, the defense, especially in the second in the third quarter, got locked in. You look at what. You know, they Purdue. We held Purdue to six percent shooting for the quarter, and we forced seven turnovers in the quarter as Purdue shot one for seventeen. So, but it was really outside of that about three to four minutes of the second quarter, the defense was really locked in all day long. I mean, that's I don't want to get too far inside the numbers, but just just look at the shooting numbers, and you can tell yeah. what the way they played and 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 with the 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 number of turnovers they forced. Yeah, I mean, again, not to get too much into the numbers yet, but 43% shooting for Purdue in the first half and then only shooting 34% on the game. So clearly that second half was, you know, uh, just amazing. And again, we held them to, to 46 points. Their season high, they average is around 73 points per game. So well, well under their season average. Um, and not only that, um, defensively, we typically hold teams to 60 points per game. Again, just holding Purdue to well under that that average for us. So that definitely defense was one thing, Jeff, I had on my list as, as expected. And the second one for me that's really starting to become something we're coming to expect, or at least I do, from the coaching staff are just halftime adjustments. That's really rare. I mean, we saw it in our last game a little bit where the team comes out a little flat out halftime, but you know, there's a different circumstance than today. And today I thought we just saw just 
fantastic adjustments from the defense or excuse me, from the coaching staff. And specifically, I think we saw that with how they were utilizing McKenzie. You know, you mentioned um, in our group text that we have with Ari about how they really put McKenzie instead of putting her down on the block where it's a lot easier to, to get doubled down there. They pulled her up and were, you know, putting her a little bit more on the elbow there. And I thought that was just a very small adjustment that was fantastic. And it worked amazing as we saw with McKenzie going immediately from only two points in the first half to about eight already in that first three minutes of that third quarter. So I thought just overall the adjustments, the, the coaching staff and the team to respond to it, right? Like it's one thing to, as the coach, I'm sure, and you can talk about this obviously more than I can since I've never coached, but it's one thing to say, Hey, this is what I want you to do team. It's another thing for them to go out and execute it. And, and you had that on both sides today from the coaching staff and the team boot. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Jeff, as you know, from a coaching perspective on the adjustments we saw coming out of halftime? I thought the adjustments at halftime were really good. I, I, I Again, I wanted to see maybe one of two things. We were kind of texting as a little bit as well that, yeah, my my major was I would have liked to see them put Mac in some ball screen action and see how Purdue would have guarded that. But the other adjustment that's kind of along with that is just get her off the post. And that's what they did. They got her up into that elbow area and, and brought her up a little higher. And then if they wanted to dive her the block, which they did, that opened up some space, it makes it a little bit harder to double. And we've talked about this a little bit on you know, when we've been with the on the AC radio side with the men. It's easier to double when they're planted themselves right on the block at the beginning of the possession. You put Mac in that elbow area. Now, A, it gives some people room to drive and B, if they drive and somebody goes help, it allows Mac to get into a position to just get a catch and shoot what she did on that one from the elbow. I think it was. Um, I think it was Yarden who got in there and got kind of, I won't say stuck, but he was trying to get a drive and she got yeah. cut off and she kicked it right towards the elbow uh, yeah. there in the third quarter. Or then it allows you, as you move the ball side to side and, and up and down against the defense, now you can let her just kind of slide naturally into the block and get her there, which like I said, we got her a couple times there. So I, again, we, we've really come to expect, as you said, uh, really good adjustments from Terry Morn and, and, and to get there. I think the other adjustment that maybe wasn't so much said, it was probably at the th second quarter media timeout that I got a feeling that they really harped on the defense mm -hmm. because again, as we said, the second quarter defense wasn't awful, but it just wasn't, you know, where it had been in the first quarter, they, they kind of got a little loose with it. They weren't as connected but then they got back into the, they made a nice run to end the quarter. It was 17 to 14 Purdue at one point in the second quarter. So that means they ended the second quarter. If I'm doing my math right on 17 to nine run. And, and I thought that was key as well, but I think that that time out there was probably not so much an adjustment, just a, but a reiteration of, Hey, we got to get back to playing defense the way we know how. And I, and I think that was, a, you know, so I won't count that as an adjustment, but it's it, it, to an S to a certain degree, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, and there's just a lot of good hustle plays that we saw all around from the team, you know, today, I think, and that's also something, at least for me, I, that I'm really coming to expect again from a, a a Terry Mooring coach team. You know, I have written down like here in the second quarter, you had Lily Meister coming in. She batted a ball away on defense and then just jumped on the floor to end up causing a, a jump ball for us to be called. And there are a lot of those plays that, you know, again, that's not necessarily going to show up in the stat line per se, but it definitely shows up in the end results of the game. But Jeff, what else um, are you coming to expect from this team that you saw today? somebody stepping up. I mean, yeah. they took, I mean, Purdue took Mac away and, and, and really kind of the opposite of what IU men did yesterday, which where they allowed Zach Eady to get his and then hold everybody else down. 
the obviously I wasn't in Katie Gerald's uh, pregame, but my my assumption is watching the defensive game plan. They were going to double Mac and make everybody else guard you. Well, in the second quarter, especially Chloe Moore McNeil stepped up. Yeah. Um, she was the only person in double figures at halftime. And then and 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 then as you look at the scoring, you know, we ended up with four players in double figures, all basically right around the same as the same area of 13 to 15 points uh, for each of them, which is kind of nice. But it's, it's expected because we don't necessarily know who's going to be in double figures. Usually Max getting 20 right now. We've kind of come to expect Mac to get 20 plus. But she didn't force anything today. She didn't really try to do more than she had to. And then, like I said, and we were texting that strategy works, but it, but it, but against IU, and this is one difference I think between last year's team and this year's team is even though Sarah Scalia has been struggling, she hit a couple threes today. Sydney hit a couple. Chloe hit a couple. You know, and, and so there's just multiple kids who really, in my opinion, are consistent three point shooters. And and Yarden didn't hit a three today. So no. you know, so th- I think that's a hard strategy. I get why they did it, but I think it's a hard strategy to be successful just because of what we can do. Yeah. And, you know, the thing with Yarden, which is nice, is that she at least took some this time, you know, in the last game mm-hmm. where she didn't make any three. She didn't even attempt any. So, you know, right. I, it's OK. She went over four today. I, I didn't think any of hers felt forced. But, yeah, I think, Jeff, that's just a great point. You know, um, you never know who's going to step up because um, we haven't seen this a whole lot where a team has been able to completely shut McKenzie Holmes down. I think this is probably, I, I would guess, I I don't have the facts in front of me to back it up, but I would be shocked if this wasn't McKenzie's lowest scoring half. She only had two in that first half. But, you know, Chloe had, like, to your point, she had 10 points in that second quarter that really just kept us right into the game and, you know, going into the halftime up five. So, I, again, you know, I thought Sarah played really well, too, especially in that that um, second half as well coming out. And, you know, it looked like hopefully maybe she's gotten her three-point shot back a little bit going three or four today. So, um, and we haven't seen that from her. So, I think your point is great where, yes, we, you know, we kind of expect – somebody to step up but we just never quite know who that second or third person is going to be um and and, and kathy let's throw in there I, i'll throw it in here not to interrupt you but just yeah. you're the, the player we would have thought that would have been one to, to kind of be in that role today grace Berger yeah. didn't play terribly but grace was had another rough shooting day she was three yeah. for ten and she had five turnovers so again grace i hate to use the word slump you know because we're winning and, and but i know grace would be the first one to say that's not acceptable having talked with her last year about especially the turnovers not so much shooting you're gonna she, she would be first time you're gonna miss shots and she's not gonna stop shooting because she missed the shots but if you would have if you would have said without looking at the stat sheet that we had four kids around 13 to 15 you would have thought grace was one of them and she wasn't and we still won by 23 so right. again just that 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 expectation that somebody will make plays yeah. And, you know, kind of back to something that surprised me in the last game was our lack of balance scoring, something that we've come to expect. Yeah. We're back to that today, right? We had four players in, in double figures again. And, you know, we had um, six players total that scored for us, which is, again, a lot more balanced than what we had seen in the last game. So um, anything else as expected, Jeff, you want to touch on from this? No, nope, that pretty much covers it. Cool. Well, let's lead right into things that maybe surprised us today. And I had a couple few that wrote, wrote I wrote down um, one that you kind of touched on, which was around Grace and her play. And it wasn't that it was bad play because I, you know, clearly she played 32 minutes out there and she was a plus minus a plus 24. She was doing a lot of the things. Again, the surprising part is I think what um, we thought after the last game where we'd see more 
productivity from her on the offensive end, which was only six. And to your point, five turnovers is something that really surprised me from Grace. What didn't surprise me is all of the other things she did, right? The four rebounds and the steal, the block, uh, things that just you don't get into that stat line where I thought her defense was actually pretty good today. But a little surprised that we didn't see more offensive production from, from Grace. But any other thoughts on Grace or another surprise you want to just jump right into? I thought maybe, and I hate to use this as an excuse, but I thought she got the moving screen call early, kind of in the first quarter, right before maybe the media timeout, um, and and kind of a tough call um, on that. And then she got an offensive foul, kind of a called for a push off. I think that was in the first in the first half still. So I wonder if that maybe just took away some of the 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 aggressiveness that she was looking to play with because you get a couple of fouls you got to maybe you know take a, a little bit off the throttle but I'm also one that knows I think I should say no that I suspect that when they get back to Bloomington today Grace Berger is going to be the first one in the in the Cook Hall getting shots up working on her game and I would expect her to come out of you know what I you know hate like I said I hate to call it a slump right but just really hasn't been efficient that that's the word we should yes. say she hasn't been efficient shooting the ball. Um, yeah here the last couple of games. I think she yeah, knows big game today. coming yeah. up. Yeah, she knows big game coming up on Thursday. The, the only thing, again, surprised me here is just the, and I, I guess I wouldn't even call it a surprise at this point anymore. It's just that the bench continues to give us solid production. And we'll, you know, again, I don't want to get too far into the numbers as we we have a segment called Inside the yeah. Numbers. But, <laughs> the, but again, we talked about this. And again, I hate to keep saying it every episode, but Lily Meister, uh, Sarah Scalia, we're the prominent two today off the bench, but but we're getting solid production off the bench from a number of different kids, players, I should call them. I'm always, I'm still used to calling them kids from my coaching days, sure. but uh, from players, and 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 that only makes us better because like you, we talk about, you look, and I know we end up with a huge win, but nobody played more than 32 minutes today, nobody, and that's key to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so maybe talking a little bit more about that bench, though, um, Sarah, you know, we expected her to come in onto this team after playing at Minnesota and just, you know, shooting the ball lights out from three. And she, she did that at the beginning of the season. It's kind of morphed into a different role for her today. Uh, so are we surprised at all from her today with three point three for four um, three point shooting? Are uh, are we starting to come to expect that from Sarah? Where she and she's finding other things to contribute, right? Like we saw her driving and getting some twos, and um, really just making some nice defensive stops. So she seems to become more of an all around player as opposed to a three point specialist. So is it something we can we stop saying we're surprised if Sarah does or does not shoot a bunch of threes, or and she's more of an all around player? Or what are just your general thoughts on Sarah's play today? Well, I would think that that's been something that has, as you mentioned, just kind of morphed into her role. She was struggling with her shot earlier. And I think one of the things that probably when she came in here that we've talked a little bit about with Austin when he's been on a couple of times, we've talked with, um, we talked it with Amanda a couple of times that she's been on as well, that um, uh, the people who are a little bit closer sometimes to the program than us, even Ari, that, it, that it's defense still is, is the foundation of this team. And I think that probably took Sarah a little bit of adjustment, especially mm -hmm. once the season started. It's easy to feel like you're making that adjustment in practice when you're going against the same people all the time. But it's a little different when there's somebody in a different uniform who's trying to score or trying to do something against you, and you're supposed to be staying into those principles. Um, but I think she's starting to figure out. I think that I would like to think that the coaching staff has had a lot of talks with her about, hey, 
just because your role has changed a little bit doesn't mean you're less valuable. You're still right. the per you're still, and I think maybe even coach Morin used this comment earlier in the off season. Like she has six starters. There's really not five, even though Sarah's not starting anymore. There's, you know, she has six kids. She really could trust to put in the lineup if they allowed her. And, and so again, we saw this a little bit. She played better. Uh, she definitely played well at Michigan. Um, and then she struggled a little bit. I think it was against Rutgers, but she, mm -hmm. I thought she had a solid game against Minnesota and she had a really, I thought had a solid game against, uh, Ohio state for the most part. So her, her roles changed. Like you said, uh, she had, you know, four rebounds. That's kind of what I look for with Sarah. Is she getting yeah. on the glass? Cause we need guards to rebound. And so I wouldn't call it a surprise, but I think yeah. it's just a change in, into what she probably thought was going to be her role. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I saw uh, comments, I think someone in the chat that they were surprised by her today. So I just wanted to kind of touch on that to see because I, I think I'm not surprised anymore. We were earlier in the year, but for me, I, I've changed, I think, the way I think about Sarah and what she's contributing to this game. And overall, I thought she had a very solid performance for us off the bench. Uh, what other surprises do you have, Jeff, you want to talk, talk about today? Nothing really. I mean, I just because the, with the way the game went, it took away, you know, anything that I thought might have been, you know, somewhat surprising. I, I, I was really worried. I know it's a rivalry game, but I was really kind of worried they'd get caught looking ahead a little bit, kind of the yeah. ultimate trap yeah. game, um, especially. And I don't know if they had, for example, an idea. I mean, Iowa was up so big early in that game in Penn State today whether they kind of had an idea of what they that they still need to go out and take care of business but that's easier said than done when you've got the the right now the number two team in the big 10 coming in on thursday young kid young players sometimes yeah. lose sight of what's in front of them even with a you know team that's as veteran as us but so that would have been the one surprise to me if they come out you know kind of a, a little flat a little look like they weren't really into the game but didn't have that issue at all. No, not at all. Uh, so let's talk maybe a little bit about how Purdue, I thought at least for sure, and we already talked about the halftime adjustments, but let's just talk about the first half and how I thought Purdue's game plan against McKenzie was really interesting, right? And it, it is something, are we concerned about that becoming a blueprint with our halftime adjustments? I'm not, but Purdue really found a way to shut McKenzie down the first time really all season where they were really pestering her from getting the ball. And then as soon as she did get the ball, they just completely locked down on her and doubled down on her. Um, it didn't work for the whole game. Um, I was a little surprised though at how effectively it worked because the other teams have, have doubled McKenzie as well. And uh, it just never seemed to work quite as well. And, and that's one of the other surprises I had. And I think they go hand in hand is that was the only statistical category we lost was points in the paint, which wasn't a lot. I think we lost by um, two points. Yeah. 24 for us, 26 for Purdue. But what were your thoughts maybe on just that first half performance from Purdue defensively on McKenzie and just in general, how we did with the points in the paint compared to them? Well, the one thing I thought that, and again, I think this was a little bit, we saw this really kind of in the first part of the third quarter. Purdue wasn't even waiting for the catch. They were really doubling her before she, even just as she got to the block, there was there was at least one and a half people guarding her before she ever really got set up. And so that made it even harder to get the ball into her. And, and but I thought maybe we did struggle a little bit recognizing that and making a pass and getting it to, to maybe the backside or a dive. But we saw that I think it might have been the first or second possession of the second half. We got it into Mac. 
she was doubled. They kicked it. She kicked it out. And then Sydney made a dive on the backside and got fouled and on the, on the shot. And, and, and so that's what I think you have to do. If somebody like Purdue, if somebody's going to try to take that blueprint, just double Mac before she can even catch it. A lot of what we've seen before is kind of what you see traditionally on the double team is they'll catch it. And then the double team comes from somewhere. They, like I said, they, a lot of times they Purdue was just, really doubling her from the get-go and you know and so you got to move the ball you got to move the ball a little quicker you got to you got to recognize who's being kind of left open with that and I thought they made again that was part of that adjustment at halftime yeah I agree well those were all the surprises I had written down Jeff and you said nothing else for you nope all right cool well let's jump inside the numbers then why don't you go first is there any specific team stat we haven't touched on that you want to go over yeah, I will say this. Um, I was, a you know, just because the one stat that we talked with Austin a little bit about that we didn't do very well against Minnesota. Now, as Austin pointed out and kind of helped us a little bit with understanding, yeah. Minnesota is a very good rebounding team and, and they out rebounds. But today we won the battle on the glass 41-34. Now we ended up giving up 12 offensive rebounds but we had 13 offensive rebounds ourselves. So mm-hmm. I, that to me was kind of a key. I, I, that to me, that's one of those rec- recipes or part of the ingredients for an upset of a top ranked team, you know, a, a top five team on the road like that. You got it. You got to turn them over. You got to get them in a little foul trouble and you got to crash the glass and get second and third opportunities. And we limited that. And I thought that was a big stat for us today. Yeah, I did too. I had rebounds written down for sure. Um, Purdue averages around 36 per game. They were at, we um, had, they were at 34 today. So for 41 for us, uh, the other team stat that you, you just started touching on a little bit. I want to talk about is the turnovers um, 18 for Purdue 15 for us. The thing that really is not what I, I like about this though, is not the number of turnovers. It's the points off of them. Again, I, I like the points off of turnovers because Sometimes you can have these turnovers and if maybe they're live ball or not live ball and they can lead to other points for the team. For us, we really won that category today. 18 points off of Purdue's 18 turnovers and only six off of our 15. So even though we are a little higher than our, our season average around 12 turnovers per game, uh, we definitely forced more and really contributed or really capitalized on those turnovers as well. Again, back to that theme we were talking about, things we'd be coming to expect that defense from our, our team is just really on display here with those points off of turnovers. Yeah. And I'll go to the points off. Well, even just there, you're talking about 18 turnovers, 18 points. We got a point for every turnover we created. And then the points per possession, we were at 1.015 and we held Purdue to 0.708. And I don't know what it was the second half alone because first half Purdue was at 0.839. So, you know, that tells you just how good the second half was. Let's see. I points. Yeah. I don't know what they were. So obviously, um, yeah, the go from 0.839 in the first half for Purdue points per possession down to 0.708, you know, they were well below that 0.708 then. Um, what other stats do you want to talk about individual or team, either one? Um, I'll save it again because we got probably way too many people and that finally to talk about for game ball and hustle. (laughs) That'll Um, be interesting. huh? But, um, I will go to this. Uh, how about on the flip side? Abby Ellis, I believe, was coming in, was the leading scorer for Purdue, and we held her to 10 points on four of 11 shooting, forced her into two turnovers. She only had two assists. So I thought that, you know, they probably had a pretty good game plan for Ellis, and a, and a couple of those were shots that she hit tough shots and, and on those. So, But I thought that was key for Ellis to get held. And then Janine, uh, Janae Terry was held scoreless. And yeah. got in foul trouble for us. And luckily, you know, to, to our advantage, 
was gotten foul trouble. So those two players combined, I think, were the leading scores or two of the three leading scores for Purdue coming in, and they were held to a combined ten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing, just to quickly touch on, is our field goal percentage in the first half. We were a little little cold from the field, only thirty four percent, but we really t- ratcheted that up in the second half. Again, I think part of that is contributing to getting Mac more involved. She has such a high field goal percentage. Um, again, um, going six for seven today from the field. She's one of the top top scorers in the nation. But we ended up with forty uh, percent shooting, which you know, after starting off thirty four percent, ending at forty percent, I was actually pretty pleased with lower than you know what I would have liked to see on on total on an average but to see the turnaround I think was really um, nice to see and then holding Purdue to a total of 34% again kind of goes hand in hand with that points per possession but they were shooting 43% in the first half and then held them to a game total of only 34%. Um, Any other team stats Jeff or do you want to touch on anybody individually that we haven't so far? I, again, you talked, you brought it up a little bit earlier, you know, again, it's not going to jump off the page at you, but in a game where, especially early in the first half, where she got some, some early run, Lily Meister comes in and yeah. got two rebounds and, and in a game where every rebound is valuable. I, I thought, again, we were able to get Mac a few minutes of rest and it was interesting is they also kind of were double teaming Lily. So yeah. it wasn't just to a certain, they were going to double team the post, whoever, whoever yeah. was down there. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I did too. Um, maybe one other thing to touch on is the steals. We had 11 steals as a team and five of them came from Chloe. And I feel like there were like three of them back to back to back in that second quarter where Chloe just really exploded in that second quarter with a lot of steals. And then her, you know, 10 of her 13 points came in there. So I thought Chloe had just a really fantastic second quarter, but the whole game, I thought she was on point with her defense as well. So team 11, 11 steals, I thought was really fantastic. Again, um, we talked on the total Purdue turnovers but the fact that 11 of them came from our steals i thought was really good yeah i do too cool um any other stats you want to touch on in this segment no i think i'm good on that because i think i said i think we need to save some of them for the game ball and the hustle i agree me too All right, Jeff. Well, that's a great segue to just go ahead and jump right into our game ball. And for those of you who are watching either live or on a replay over YouTube, you can actually see at the bottom of our screen a ticker showing our totals. But 13 for our uh, game balls for McKenzie Holmes this year, three for Sydney Parrish, three for Garzon, two for Grace Berger, and one for Sarah Scalia. So, Jeff, um, you, you alluded to this earlier, and I, I definitely will say I had a hard time trying to figure out who I want my game ball going to because, again, of the, I think the disparity of the two halves right you can almost give one for the first half and a different one for the second half but unfortunately we can only give one for the whole game so who did you land on for your game ball today yeah tough one because i really thought you know we could have gone a couple different ways and we might need some help from the workaholics yeah. on this one day but I, I just because i thought because the first half was i want to say i hate to say more important but with the way it played out we could have really dug ourselves a hole, except Chloe Moore McNeil really stepped up in that second quarter. We were struggling offensively. We were, defensively was okay, but we were really struggling on the offensive end. So I'm going to go with Chloe. 13 points. She was three for, she only ended up three for eight, but at one point she hit, I think uh, she was three for four on her three point attempts in the first half. She had nine rebounds, she had three assists, she had five steals and a block. So I'm going to go with Chloe for, for my game ball today. 
Yeah, absolutely a fantastic choice. Um, that's who I had would have said for sure if I was only voting in the, the first half. Um, I'm actually going to still stay with McKinsey with with my vote um, uh, because I think she, she really deserves that recognition because I understand most of the time we want to gravitate towards points. And she only had two points in that first half. And she still ended up, though, right, as a team high of uh, tied for a team high with Sydney of 15. And to me, why I was ended up voting for McKenzie for my game ball was because I don't think she was trying to force it, though, in that first half either. You know, she didn't she ended up with only one turnover, which you could think, well, maybe she ended up with more turnovers because they were really being so aggressive on her. Um, and to me, I thought that she was doing this defensively. In fact, I saw, I said one point to my husband, I said, oh, they took um, McKenzie out and immediately we we got scored on a couple times in that first half and we had to put her back in. So I think for me, McKenzie had an all around game from tip off to the end. Um, that's why I'm voting for her um, honorary. And, and the reason I'm, I'm voting for her as well, I, I did write that down if you want to see my paper, but the, the chat mop is agreeing with you on Chloe, which is absolutely, I, you will have no squabbles for me at all today. So that will be Chloe's first game ball on the year. So congratulations to Chloe, especially for that second quarter. So with that, that will lead us into our Hustle Award. And we have, again, probably a wide variety of people we could vote for in this, this segment here. But again, on our screen, we have scrolling across the bottom. Sydney Parrish leads the way with six Hustle Awards. Chloe Moore McNeil, four and a half. Grace Berger with three, Lily Meister with two and a half, um, Bargesser with two, and then one each for Alyssa Geary, Garzon, and Caitlin Peterson. So, Jeff, I'll let you go first again. Who do you have written down for your Hustle Award today? I really didn't have anybody written down, not because I, I just didn't, you know, don't like nobody, but it's just yes, too many. <laughs> I was not really, it really was kind of a one of those where. I didn't, nobody, they're all playing so well and they're all playing so hard. It's hard to sometimes yeah. to pick out the hustle word here. Um, I guess I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia here. Um, I'm going to go Sarah Scalia, uh, 14 points, uh, four rebounds. She had an assist. She had a steal in 25 minutes. Uh, she was plus minus 11. So, and I just thought, again, I thought Sarah was doing some things out there on the floor today that was disruptive to the other team. She was disruptive. Uh, she got on the floor a couple times for a loose ball. She just, you know, she has kind of, there's something about Sarah that when you see her playing, I think just, she has a way of getting in other the other teams under the other team's skin a little bit, especially when she's hitting shots. Um, so, but I this was one that I could have maybe rolled the dice and and, and flipped a coin or come up with yeah. two, even two or three people. So, but I'm going to go with Sarah Scalia on this one. Yeah. So for me, I, I obviously since I voted for McKenzie for my my. Uh, my game ball, uh, I, I wrote down about two or three different names and I thought, well, as we talk through it, maybe it will come apparent to me who I want to vote for. I, I still don't know. Right. Cause Chloe, again, you could vote for her, for her defense in total for the whole game, for her offensive aggressiveness in the second game, second quarter, rather. I thought Sarah, again, she just played a really nice all around game in term when she was in there, she had great rebounding, she had great shooting. And then we haven't touched enough on, I think on Sydney, you know, Sydney was again, 15 points for us and she had three rebounds. And um, just, again, I thought she she also really did a lot of those winning kind of plays. So um, for me, I think I'm going to end up landing on Sydney again today for me because I just thought she did a lot of the the little things that we need from somebody out there and not just because of her 15 point scoring, which is obviously important um, and honorary because she shushed 
the Purdue crowd, which <laughs> again was just a lot of fun. So um, we'll turn it back over to our workaholics here to see who they're voting for. We have a lot of Sarah's and Sydney's going on in there as well. So we'll see if we can uh, break the tie here uh, from with our. Yeah, I our see one that said Sarah or Sydney. I see yep. a, a Sarah. I see a Sydney. Uh, I want to apologize to Dabney. I, I, I accidentally hid your messages and I don't, and I don't know how to unhide it. So I appreciate <laughs> you. Just come back into the workaholics. We, we weren't mad at you. Um, and then, um, as well with that. And then I see somebody, a couple more for Sydney here. So I, I think we probably would have to go with Sydney based on All the right. workaholic vote. We will do that. And that will give Sydney her seventh Hoosier Hustle Award, which again, if you watch her play, that's not surprising at all. Uh, so um, one other, I want to say honorary mention to all of our fans that showed up. Again, this was the records breaking crowd for, for Purdue, or at least one of the, the first times in a long time, they sold out the crowd, just under 15,000 fans. And we bust four um, different buses up full of fans from um, leaving from Bloomington to go up. So I see Val in our, um, uh, chat here. I believe she was on the, the bus number three with her husband as well. And so just an honorary shout out to all of our fans who traveled up to, to West Lafayette to help support the team. So hopefully that will translate into our game on Thursday, which we'll get into in a little bit, which is against number um, six, Iowa coming into town. But before we get into details of Iowa, Jeff, what lingering questions, if any, do you have right now in your mind? Uh, Again, I just feel like you're 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 almost nitpicking at this point. Um, I'll, I will say this kind of jokingly: Is Jared Moore still wearing his home field apparel shirt? That's been Today, the lucky yes. shirt so far, with the exception of the one lost by the men at Maryland. Uh, I hope he was wearing it. He was flying back. By the way, uh, for all those of you who were at the AC Assembly Call meetup yesterday after the Purdue game at Switchyard, it was great seeing you guys. Kathy and I really, you know, Kathy wasn't there, but I haven't had a chance to tell her. We really got a lot of compliments from the people who were there about the show and really very nice of you guys to tell us and, and just keep spreading the word. We enjoy doing the show for you guys and, and all that. So very nice to hear people uh, compliment us about the show. Um, but th the lingering question here is, can we find a way to slow down Iowa? And, and, and I know this is a team built on defense, but Iowa's going to Iowa again, good defensive team can slow them down and keep them in the seventies, maybe the sixties. If you're, if you're got a little luck, but when they get on a roll, and and it's and again, everybody's going to focus on Caitlin Clark. Kid is an she's a great the player. She's a great player. You got to quick referring to him as kids. I am I'm sounding like an old man, um, but <laughs> she's a great player. I, I get that she really is. But Monica Sonano is an excellent player. There, uh, I'm forgetting the the uh, uh, War, uh, Warnock is a really good player. Warnock's a good player. There's another wing that can hit threes. I mean, there's more than just one player here, and and such now it so uh, can you slow them down can or do you take the attitude we saw in the the chat earlier with the workaholics do you treat them like you treated zach Eady yesterday you let caitlin clark go for her 30 possibly 40 and see if you can shut everybody else down um so that's just the problem with with that is caitlin clark's shooting threes and, yeah. and when she can get on a roll and plus she can, she then has the ability to drive. So the lingering question here is how do we keep, I don't know if we, last year we really didn't have much success trying to win shootouts with them. Right. And, and we had two really, three, actually three really good games with them, but we just, you know, you got to slow them down a little bit. You got to find a way to keep them in the seventies, I think. 
Yeah, I, that's probably my lingering question too, Jeff. I don't really have anything from today's game. I don't have anything that I'm really questioning on the team. So maybe this will be a great way to just segue all the way into what's next and start previewing Iowa a little bit then. Um, so with that, uh, again, Iowa is coming into Bloomington. They are currently ranked sixth. The, that game is on Thursday, February 9th. It is a 6.30 Eastern or 5.30 Central tip. Um, and the ga game will be aired on Big Ten Network. So in case those of you who don't have Big Ten Plus just feel happy the rest of February here on out, all of our games will be on some kind of regular TV and not Big Ten Plus. So this is one on Big Ten Network regular. In terms of history, I'll cover first, and then, Jeff, I'll let you get into my, more of the um, details of yeah. Iowa and their um, team and individual performances so far. Um, Iowa, excuse me, IU is has definitely down in this uh series all time. So we are 21 and 52 all time, but we're 17 and 18 in Bloomington. So at least the winner at home, it seems we're a little more competitive. Uh, last year, Jeff alluded to it. We had three games with Iowa, two regular season, plus the big 10 championship in the tourney. We lost all three of those games. And then for Iowa, in terms of record, they're 19 and four overall and 11 and one in the conference. So again, this is a huge, huge game from a conference standings perspective. Really, we'll be battling for that, um, again, getting ahead in that first um first place of Big Ten. Their most recent game was right before our game today where they just completely handled Penn State 95 to 51, I think was the final score, 95 to 46, somewhere in that range. Um, I think it was 51. Um, and their only conference loss this year was on the road against Illinois on January 1st where they lost 86 to 90. And then in terms of their other three losses, their non-conference losses were all really fantastic teams, Kansas State, UConn, and NC State. So with that, Jeff, why don't I kick it over to you for um, talking about Iowa and how they're doing both from a uh, team and individual performances so far. Yeah, and I don't think we added in the numbers from today. So these will be uh, coming into today. 87.7 points per game for Iowa on the offensive end. They do give up 71 and a half. But again, that's a, you know, they're at a plus 16.2 on scoring margin. They out-rebound teams by a plus six. And again, they are a good rebounding team. And this was one of the areas that hurt us a little bit last year. Now, again, mm -hmm. we did not. Now, here's the other caveat I'll throw out there for people going, but Coach Marlowe. Yes, we did not have a really healthy McKenzie Holmes really for any of those matchups right. last year with Iowa. Right. Plus, we were got, we, that was there. That was the time of the year when we got into the COVID, yep. came out of it, played about what was it? Can I get it was six games and about thirteen Seven to nine days, days something, like something stupid. Yeah, something ridiculous <laughs> and and such. So, but anyway, so I think that that to me the real interesting matchup may very and I'll be interested to see because with the way we go, we almost have to put McKenzie on. Sonano, whereas yeah. maybe they don't have Sonano guard McKenzie. So I'll be interested to see that defensive matchup. And I won't be able to watch the game. I have a game on the radio here in, in the local area that I'd be doing that night. So I'll be trying to follow it a little bit on my phone. But as as I can, Kathy will be here after the game with you guys and a special guest. Um, they're shooting 50% from the field, 36% from three. They hold opponents to 40% from the field and 29.2% on threes. They force 14 turnovers, but they also commit 14 turnovers. So they're basically an even on, on turnovers, but they play such a fast pace. I don't think the turnover margin is big a deal to them. Um, they share the ball. They're about like they're very much like IU in their respect. They average 20 assists per game. 
Um, they have three players in double figures. We already talked about Caitlin Clark, so 27.8 points per game, 46% from the field, 38% from three, 7.9 rebounds. Uh, we didn't throw an assist, but this is a this is a player that has routinely gotten triple doubles throughout her career. So she's going to also dish it. Uh, Monica Sinano at 18 and a half points per game and six and a half rebounds per game and McKenna Warnock at 11 and a half points per game. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then in terms of coaching, Lisa Bluter is their head coach. She is in their 23rd, her 23rd year as head coach of Iowa, and she has a 65.7% overall um, winning record with 463 wins and only 242 losses. And, and, you know, Jeff, I know they have technically three people, Warnock being the third, that are in those double figures on average and scoring. And, you know, you're talking about a team that averages close to 90 points per game. So you're, I think what you were talking about in leading into to this is really the key. Like how much can we slow them down? Will we keep them, you know, in 60 points per game where we average our defense? No, absolutely not. But can we at least keep them in something a little more manageable, right? Where we're putting up around 80 points per game as well. So, you know, I think that's the advantage we have this year over last year's team. This year's team seems to be able to be a little bit more offensively consistent than what we saw our team last year. And I, I, I think that bodes well for this matchup. So is it become not necessarily you're not going to keep uh, Caitlin Clark from scoring, but can you slow her down, keep her at least under you know 30 points? hopefully, and slow yeah. Sinanu down. Because if you slow both of them down at least a little bit, you know, I, and I've seen Iowa play, and in one of their losses, I can't remember which one, but that team really took Sinanu out of that game. I think she, I don't even know, she made it to double digits in that game. So you keep, you know, one of those two when they're averaging 28 and 18 points respectively. If you keep them to something a little more manageable, I think that I really like our, our matchup in this game, actually. So um, what other keys to this game should we all be looking for in your opinion on thursday turnovers uh, i mean i know that's cliche but it really is it's going to be a turnover battle i mean if one team has a if there's a wide margin of turnovers for either team i think that's going to advantage either team i think i you can play a little faster pace this is again this is the difference as you mentioned between last year and this year whereas last year we were a little bit more even though we averaged around 70 plus a, a game last year it was more of a controlled style this team may they may surprise us Thursday, and Terry Moore may just kind of turn them loose a little bit and be like, "Let's go run with them." Yep. Um, I think the big key for me is Grace Berger, and and I'm not trying to be biased because of you know <laughs> being the Grace Berger host last year, but I think if Grace Berger comes out and can do the things we expect Grace Berger to do, and she has struggled the last couple of games, and I know she's not 100. percent I get that. Um, but we need the floor leader, Grace Berger. She can't turn it over five times. She can't turn it over six times, like four or five times, to five times a day. I can't remember exactly what yeah. in Minnesota now off the top of my head. But we need her to can take care of the ball and then be that that kind of that assassin for us. I Maybe I shouldn't use that term, but be that kid that's just going to put the dagger in the other team when when it comes down to crunch time. And so I, I'm looking for for Grace Berger to have a, a really good game all around and be that, you know, that per, that player that lists us over. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm hoping again to see what we saw today, which is that balanced scoring. I think the other yep. X factor that I really want to see again uh, is from our crowd, actually. And, you know, we, we've talked about today was the sellout for Purdue. Ohio State has technically had some sellout games. Iowa has already announced that the, our game against them in Iowa City is also a sellout. I don't expect us to sell out our arena because I don't think we shut down our balcony. Um, so 17,000. But can we again set another record? 
record and get over 10,000, 11,000 fans in there. Because when we do, I think our fans in particular are really a huge factor for this team and they really feed off of that. And so I think that's going to be a big X factor for us in this game on Thursday night. And that's an interesting, you know, it's not a, it's an early tip, 6:30 Eastern and it's on a weeknight. So I'm hoping that we can really get our fans out there and filling up assembly hall. But, and I agree. I hope so too. I hope the students show up uh, and, and somebody needs to talk to the big 10 office a little bit about scheduling for 6:30 on a night on a weeknight instead of a weekend. But right now, if you're the big 10 office, you gotta be kind of, you gotta be fairly happy with the way the league's playing out. Yeah, I it's think been it's competitive. Been it's been competitive, faster. but I think they all along they wanted IU and, and Iowa to kind of be in this right. mix. Big game today, big game, yes. and maybe even going on right now or start a it little is. bit I later. Ohio up. State and Maryland, Ohio State and Maryland, because somebody basically, in my view, somebody's out of the race. Whoever loses that game, it will be well can still play spoiler. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I don't think you can win the league. I don't think you're going to win or share even a share with four losses. So in right. my view, whoever loses that game is probably out of winning, but then they can play spoiler as well. But that's a big game today. Yeah. I have that pulled up. It's halftime in Maryland right now has been in the driver's seat from the beginning. It's 30 to 42 with Maryland on top by 12. So yeah, again, is that, it's in Maryland. Is that game, yeah. It's in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of standings, you know, Ohio state's third and Maryland is, is fourth right now. Actually they're both tied for third at nine and three. So yeah, that will put the, the winner of that game solely in possession of third place there. So that is also a big game for those of you who are looking for something to, to watch this afternoon, flip that on and watch the second half of that game as well. Interesting side note with Ohio state. I know um, we're not talking about them per se coming up next. It's more Iowa, but they do have JC Sheldon that came back today. So that will also be interesting if you can flip that game on. How is JC Sheldon looking? Is she, you know, playing a lot of time? Is she rusty? Is she getting back into the groove? Um, right now, it looks like, you know, uh, the team is starting to to really need her being down 12 at half. So anything I else, Jeff? You. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think we go there next. Is it next Thursday or the next Saturday or Sunday? It's, we have they're in the, in the, um, Monday, the game. The, Monday the thirteenth. We go to Ohio State. So after oh, Iowa. so it's after Iowa. So yeah, so there mm-hmm. you go. So it's coming up. So yeah, that's why JC showed so important because obviously we still have them to play on schedule. No, I don't have anything else about what's next, Kathy. Why don't you take us through the programming? All right, let's do it. Um, So uh, Jeff is keeping us updated about all of our Hoosier alums who are out in the professional world. Uh, You can find those updates if you're in our private community or on our Twitter feed. If you don't already follow us on Twitter, you can find us by just searching for doing the work, which is all with spaces in between. Um, You can also check out our assembly call community page by going to assemblycall.com backslash community. And you can join there. We have a lot of great conversations about all kinds of things around IU, including women's basketball. In terms of Assembly Call Radio, they will have a post-game show after the men's game against Rutgers. That's on Tuesday the 7th. Um, Also, be sure, if you don't already, to catch and subscribe to Crimson Cast on whatever podcasting feed is of your choice. They are part of our Back Home Network family mainly covering um, IU men's football and basketball, but also they just have Amanda Foster who started a women's podcast there as well. So if you want additional information and a different take maybe on uh, the women's team, you can go and catch her on there on Tuesdays. In terms of us, Jeff mentioned uh, Thursday is the Iowa game. We will be live after that game. I will be coming on with a special guest still um, to be announced. Um, Jeff has other uh 
conflicts that he will have to do. Um, one other thing, not really necessarily a program note, but Jeff kind of alluded to the meetup yesterday. I just wanted to tell everyone, thank you. I know I wasn't able to be there. Um, I've had a lot of people reaching out. Um, for those of you who hadn't heard, my husband was diagnosed with cancer a couple of months ago and he had surgery just this past week. So I've been home here taking care of him and helping him recover from that. So thanks to all of those who have been sending me some private well wishes to him. Um, really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Um, so it'll be a, a, you know, kind of a topsy-turvy couple of months for us as he um, kind of recovers from surgery and then goes through the rest of his treatment. So just a special thanks to everybody in the community. It makes it what's so special for everyone. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but Jeff, I think that covers all of our programming notes. All right, Jeff, and that leads us into our final segment, which is our last call. So what do you want to leave us with today as we wrap things up here today? I'll go two things. One, a just a huge win over the in-state rivalry. You always love getting the win. Just a great weekend for the Hoosiers, but especially for our women's team to, to go out and get a 23-point win on the road to maintain their, their sole possession at this moment, sole possession of first place in the Big Ten. And second, like you mentioned, Kathy, just really need the fans to come out Thursday. That, to me, that game really is kind of make or break for the women because we still have to go back to Iowa. So you you really don't want to have – you don't want to lose this game at home and then try to get some help and, and then try to – you know or have to run the table and win at Iowa, as you talked about, in front of a sellout crowd and, and try to get a share. Big crowd need the, need the crowd to come out. Need as many people as can to be there, but put to get the help get the ladies over top. Is this, as Austin said the other day, on with us after the Minnesota post game, he really thought today was going to be maybe the second hardest game mm -hmm. of the remaining six. But that game Thursday night now, because of what Iowa has done to get themselves to eleven and one in the league is huge, especially when you look at the schedules down the stretch. And I've, you and I've talked a little bit about, it. we talked it on here a little bit over the last game and I haven't crunched the numbers since, you know, the numbers of the, for today, but they showed it on screen today. Last five opponents for Indiana, four of them are currently ranked. Now, again, they play Iowa twice, but that's, you know, that's, it's a tough schedule. Iowa has a little bit easier schedule down the stretch. Yeah. So we really need a big crowd at assembly hall on Thursday. Yeah, I, I agree. So the only unranked team that we play is Purdue, um, which we will get again at home on February 19th. And yeah, to your point, we had uh, Penn State for Iowa today. And then do I remember correctly off the top of my head, Jeff, do they play Northwestern yet in this final stretch of games? I know there's yes. one other kind of bottom of the conference team that they they play where we really have none of those. So there is, as we mentioned, we have five games left. There are no games that we can take off. They came in and they not just took care of business, but they took care of business today. I thought, you know, I was not, to be honest with you, I was not expecting a 23 point win, nope. um, especially on the road uh, from this. So I think, again, if we can keep coming in and again, focus one game at a time, I, I think that this is great, but we have to get Iowa here at home uh, because yeah, we're each with one loss. And I think it's at this point, I don't know, Jeff, two or three losses max. If you want to win yep. this conference, right? I mean, if you have more than three losses, I think you're out. But at this point, I'm starting to think only two. Um, yeah. And Austin I mean, said that the other day. That, yeah. I, I'm going to go with Austin. Let's credit Austin. Cause you and I talked with him the other night. He said three may get you a share. Met right. two right. probably going to be what it takes to win it outright, yeah. and maybe two two might get you a share. I mean, it just it, the way it looks. So, 
yeah, it's it's a tough league, and especially as we come down the stretch, we got to hope. You know, Iowa doesn't have a ton of tough games left. Um, I believe they still have to go back to Maryland. That's the one big game they and that's right. Yes, they have to go back to Maryland before we go to before they get us back in Iowa City. Yeah. So um, that'd be the one game you look at on paper, other than coming to Bloomington. That's the one game you look at on paper going, not sure they can win that game. Cause right. yeah. I'm sure Brenda Freeze will have the Terrapins ready to play yeah, on absolutely. that rematch. Yeah. So let's see. We'll just run down Iowa real quick. So Iowa, obviously we have coming to town on Thursday. Then they have um, Rutgers at home on the 12th. They have Wisconsin at home on the 15th. They go to Nebraska on the 18th, go to Maryland on the 21st. And then we end up playing each other on the 28th in Iowa city. So yeah, definitely a slightly easier road um, ahead for Iowa. That doesn't mean they can't stub their toes. Um, so we'll, we'll hope for maybe Nebraska or Maryland to, to really take it to them when they have them, uh, the Hawkeyes come visit. So um, anything else though, Jeff, before we wrap things up completely? Nope, Kathy, that's good for me mm -hmm. today. All right. Well, thanks to everyone that is in our workaholics chatting along or just listening live. We really appreciate all of you being out there. And for all of those who listen to you later, uh, if you um, either watch us on YouTube or whatever podcast feed of your choice. But if you do want to see us shoot, do the show live and be part of that live chat, you can subscribe at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. Um, again, I already mentioned the uh, private community, but just to repeat that, go to assemblycall.com slash community to join us there as well. A special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logo that we have this year. A big thanks to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard throughout the broadcast. And again, thank you very much for all of you for listening and supporting Indiana women's basketball. We love it and keep spreading the word because we think a lot of other people maybe might be missing out and they will love it too. But we will talk hoops with you again on Thursday after the Iowa game. And until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Well, Quang, I put it in the chat, but um, Iowa's Big Ten record is 11-1 and one right now. So um, yep. they pretty much are the same as us. So we just have one more win over them. So good meetup Thanks, yesterday. everybody. Was it a yeah, good it was meetup? a good meetup. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it, it, it was a little weird. Just be, Weird is not the word I should use. It was, uh, But Jared and Brian and Ryan all went to the game. Right. So we got there. My wife and Danny went with me. And so we got there and, and it was Tony Stuckey and jo, uh, Joel and Richie uh, pretty much. And then Tony, and then, and Tony That's went to the game. Yeah. So Tony, Tony, and they, so Tony Stuckey and, and Joel and Richie and I were all at the, at the switchyard. And then they all came in after the game, but Jared had the show with Galen yeah. after the show. So there was about an hour before they got there. So, and we were, we left about eight o'clock cause we had to drive home and yeah. we didn't spend the night or anything. So, Good. But it was it was a fun time. Got a chance to talk a little bit and and, and chit chat and uh, meet some people. Like I said, we we ran into several people who, who came up and talked about doing the work. And it was really, you know, told them, told them we were appreciative. Of it. Just spread the word. Keep spreading yeah. the word so we can keep growing the show. So but yeah, yeah. it was a good meetup. And we I think think Jared really wants to try to get a little more formalized next year than what we got yeah. had this year. But that's kind of my words for him. So sure. Cool. All right, Jeff. Well, Thanks everyone again that's still out there listening. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll talk Thursday with whoever I, I, I find to surprise you with. I will send, I will upload this and get it to the. Okay. Sounds good. Art. See you everybody. Bye everyone.